doctors an address delivered to medical students 1908 by rudyard kipling this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by david wales gentlemen it may not have escaped your professional observation that there are only two classes of mankind in the world doctors and patients i have some delicacy in confessing that i belong to the patient class ever since a doctor told me that all patients were phenomenal liars where their own symptoms were concerned if i dared to take advantage of this magnificent opportunity which now lies before me i should like to talk to you about my symptoms however i have been ordered on medical advice not to talk about patients but doctors speaking then as a patient i should say that the average patient looks upon the average doctor very much as the non-combatant looks upon the troops fighting on his behalf the more trained men there are between his dearly beloved body and the enemy he thinks the better i have had the good fortune this afternoon of meeting a number of trained men who in due time will be drafted into your permanently mobilized army which is always in action always under fire against death of course it is a little unfortunate that death as the senior practitioner is always bound to win in the long run but we non-combatants we patients console ourselves with the idea that it will be your business to make the best terms you can with death on our behalf to see how his attacks can best be delayed or diverted and when he insists on driving the attack home to take care that he does it according to the rules of civilized warfare every sane human being is agreed that this long-drawn fight for time which we call life is one of the most important things in the world it follows therefore that you who control and oversee this fight and you who will reinforce it must be amongst the most important people in the world certainly the world will treat you on that basis it has long ago decided that you have no working hours that anybody is bound to respect and nothing except extreme bodily illness will excuse you in its eyes from refusing to help a man who thinks he may need your help at any hour of the day or night nobody will care whether you are in your bed or in your bath on your holiday or at the theatre if any one of the children of men has a pain or a hurt in him you will be summoned and as you know what little vitality you may have accumulated in your leisure will be dragged out of you again in all times of flood fire famine plague pestilence battle murder or sudden death it will be required of you that you report for duty at once go on duty at once and remain on duty until your strength fails you or your conscience relieves you whichever may be the longer period this is your position these are some of your obligations i do not think they will grow any lighter have you heard of any legislation to limit your output have you heard of any bill for an eight hours a day for doctors do you know of any change in public opinion which will allow you not to attend a patient even when you know that the man never means to pay you have you heard any outcry against those people who are perfectly able to pay for medical attention and surgical appliances and yet cadge around the hospitals for free advice a cork leg 
or a glass eye. I am afraid you have not. It seems to be required of you that you must save others. It is nowhere laid down that you need save yourselves. That is to say, you belong to the privileged classes. May I remind you of some of your privileges? You and kings are about the only people whose explanations the police will accept if you exceed the legal limit in your car. On presentation of your visiting card, you can pass through the most turbulent crowd unmolested, even with applause. If you fly a yellow flag over a center of population, you can turn it into a desert. If you choose to fly a Red Cross flag over a desert, you can turn it into a center of population, towards which, as I have seen, men will crawl on hands and knees. You can forbid any ship to enter any port in the world. If you think it necessary to the success of any operation in which you are interested, you can stop a 20,000-ton liner with her mails in mid-ocean till that operation is completed. You can tie up the traffic of any port without notice given. You can order houses, streets, whole quarters of a city to be pulled down or burnt up. And you can count on the cooperation of the nearest armed troops to see that your prescriptions are properly carried out. To do us poor patients justice, we do not often dispute doctor's orders unless we are frightened or upset by a long continuance of epidemic diseases. In that case, if we are uncivilized, we say that you have poisoned the drinking water for your own purpose, and we turn out and throw stones at you in the street. If we are civilized, we do something else. But a civilized people can throw stones too. You have been, and always will be, exposed to the contempt of the gifted amateur, the gentleman who knows by intuition everything that it has taken you years to learn. You have been exposed, you always will be exposed, to the attacks of those persons who consider their own undisciplined emotions more important than the world's most bitter agonies, the people who would limit and cripple and hamper research because they fear research may be accompanied by a little pain and suffering. But you have heard this afternoon a little of the history of your profession. You will find that such people have been with you, or rather against you, from the very beginning, ever since, I should say, the earliest Egyptians erected images in honor of cats and dogs on the banks of the Nile. Yet your work goes on and will go on. You remain now perhaps the only class that dares to tell the world that we can get no more out of a machine than we put into it, that if the fathers have eaten forbidden fruit, the children's teeth are very liable to be affected. Your training shows you daily and directly that things are what they are, and that their consequences will be what they will be, and that we deceive no one but ourselves when we pretend otherwise." Better still, you can prove what you have learned. If a patient chooses to disregard your warnings, you have not to wait for a generation to convince him. You know you will be called in in a few days or weeks, and you will find your careless friend with a pain in his inside, or a sore place on his body, precisely as you warned him would be the case. Have you ever considered what a tremendous privilege that is? 
at a time when few things are called by their right names when it is against the spirit of the times even to hint that an act may entail consequences you are going to join a profession in which you will be paid for telling men the truth and every departure you may make from the truth you will make as a concession to man's bodily weakness and not his mental weakness realizing these things as i have had good reason to realize them i do not think i need stretch your patience by talking to you about the high ideals and the lofty ethics of a profession which exacts from its followers the largest responsibility and the highest death rate for its practitioners of any profession in the world if you will let me i will wish you in your future what all men desire enough work to do and strength enough to do your work. End of Doctors and Address Delivered to Medical Students, 1908, by Rudyard Kipling.